Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. This past week, Jason got to preach to us once again on Sunday morning, and he took us back to the story of Samson. We were there a week or so ago, and we again returned to it this week. Really encourage you to to grab the sermon. It's a great sermon. Uh, we all think we know everything about Samson, but we really don't. And his title of his sermon was "Like Any Other Man." Samson says that four times. Yeah, and a lot of us want to think that we're different. I'm unique. I'm special. No one else is like me. And this lesson really brought to our mind some things through the life of Samson that we need to realize. Yeah, in many ways, Samson was extraordinarily strong. We know that from a physical point of view. We've got multiple examples of that that we can read earlier in the account of his life in the middle of Judges. But at the same time, in spite of extraordinary physical strength, Samson was vulnerable like any other man. And Judges 16 painfully paints that picture in this temptation with a Philistine woman named Delilah. She continues to wear him down saying, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound. Now that ought to set off all sorts of red flags. Uh, Tell me how you could be bound so that you could be subdued. But the reason that Samson just continues to play this dangerous game is he believes that he's invincible, right? And so in you mentioned four different times. Let me just highlight them. And I want you to listen to how this gets increasingly more and more dangerous. He says in verse seven, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak. And here's the key phrase, be like any other man. In verse 11, It's a little more dangerous. If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. In verse 13, if you weave the seven locks of my head, now we're getting close, too close. If you bound the the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Finally, in verse 17, he says to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak listen to this, and be like any other man. I would suggest to you the reason Samson goes down this dangerous road is he doesn't think like he's any other man. He he thinks he's above it all, somehow immune. And one of the tragic lessons from this story is despite the incredible physical strength when it comes to temptation and spiritual danger, Samson was just like any other man. We're really reading pride through a lot of this, and I think that was a lot of his problem. But it's interesting when we take a 32,000-foot view of all this, 
you know, when, when we're in kids' Bible classes, we say, who's the strongest man in the Bible? Samson. Samson. <laughs> and yet, here he is dealing with temptation from a woman. We say, who's the smartest man in the Bible? Solomon. And we know that the Bible teaches us it was the foreign wives that took Solomon's heart away, and he built idols, and it, it led to destruction of God's nation. We talk about the man who had a heart after God. That was David. And we know that David had a sexual affair. He had a temptation, and he succumbed to that. And then, in, in my estimation, the Old Testament character is more like Jesus than anyone else. That's Joseph. And yet there's Potiphar's wife trying to seduce Joseph. And so we, we put this together, the strongest man, the smartest man, the man after God's own heart, the man more like Jesus. And what we see through all of them is a strong problem of sexual temptation. And so that's something we want to begin by talking about here, and then we'll kind of look at some other things in our lesson. That's huge in our society today. That has destroyed so many marriages. That's crippled so many disciples today. It is a plague on our society. We we think nothing about these things anymore. You rarely hear people talking about this today. Porn sites outnumber all other sites combined. The amount of money going into porn sites uh, is larger than anything else on, on the Internet. It's, it's unbelievable the problem that this causes. And so uh, as we think about these great heroes in our Bibles, what should we say about that, Jason? Yeah, you know, as I thought about how to, to craft this message and, and kept running across his use of that phrase, it made me think tragically of words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. Of course, this is a book just full of all sorts of wisdom but it's a reminder that, okay, I can be extraordinarily strong physically. I, I can be blessed with extraordinary wisdom and insight. I, I can face off with a giant and inspire an entire nation. But listen, I am remarkably like any other man in the sense of, Listen to this, Proverbs 6, 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Solomon, when he is thinking the way he ought to think, with God-provided wisdom, thinking with a heart that wants God more than he wants anything else, he realizes, and this is a, a powerful way of reminding us, I'm not immune to temptation. I Listen, this path, if I go down this path, is going to lead me into great danger. In fact, Roger, before we hit the record button, you referenced the next chapter that gives us the sense of a path in Proverbs chapter 7. Absolutely. It, it's it's written as if somebody's looking through his window. It says that in Proverbs 7 verse 6, for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice. I saw among the naive, discerned among the youth, a young man lacking sense. And it's just like I'm looking out my kitchen window. I see this guy walking down the street, but he's just not walking down the street. He's walking down the wrong street, and then he's walking down the wrong time of day, and then he's going to meet the wrong person. A harlot comes out. 
and then they have the wrong conversation. And as this unfolds, what happens is she entices him and seduces him, and he commits sexual sin. And, you know, the the, the chapter ends by talking about how a bird is caught in a, in a snare, and, and that's exactly what happens. And this man sees this happening, and we see that happening all the time, somebody just not walking down where they should be, hanging around the wrong people, listening and talking about the wrong type of things, and it's so prevalent today. That's something we need to consider. So with this, how does somebody become pure? How does somebody do what's right? Yeah, well, uh, we've got to cling to a couple of really important promises. First of all, I mean, this is what makes the gospel such good news, right? An heir of David uh, who obviously made an enormous mess of his life, his family's life, a life in the kingdom. Um, An heir of David comes and lives the life that David should have lived, dies the death that David should have died, and not just David, but but all of us, to give us a way to be reconciled to God. And so it makes me think, for instance, of First Corinthians chapter 6, where all sorts of immorality is described, the very sort of immorality we've been talking about so far, it is soundly condemned, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Sin is serious. But the good news is we can be washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That That is the good news, first of all, that we need. But then I, I would add to that this promise from, for instance, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not, listen to this, common to man. <laughs> that That's our principle, right? Whomever you are, man or woman, I'm not immune to temptation. You can be lured and enticed by your own desires. Our desires can give birth to sin. We can fall. We can be devoured by this roaring lion. We can be lost, which means we must be on guard against temptation. But the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is God is faithful And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It it sure does seem to me a lot of the way scripture is reasoning with us is, listen, (laughs) you are not a unicorn. This is the way life is. Be on guard. Stick close to God. So practically, what would be some things you could advise? Yeah. Well, first of all, borrowing from what you read there in Proverbs chapter 7, realize you must be on your guard. You must be 
wise. Where you go, the people you are around, it is really easy for us to buy into the idea that I can go to this party and not be impacted by the immorality I know is going to be at that party. I can be around these people who are doing ungodly things and not be impacted. That That's the core principle behind that Proverbs 6 question. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? So number one, stay away from the fire. Don't Bring that fire inside of your shirt to borrow the the analogy of Proverbs chapter and, six. And let me let me add to that. It's not just going to certain uh, parties or outside events. Uh, our phones, our yes. tablets, uh, very easy to, to start wandering around places we shouldn't be. Uh, every you know your your. If you're a young person, your parents need to know this. If you're married, your spouse needs to know your passwords. Yes. should be no secrets. No secrets in that house because uh, we're trying to be above board. We're trying to be the people of God. And so this is a strong thing. I would also add that uh, for a husband and wife to pray for each other. Yes. Um, you know, sometimes I, I hear somebody say, well, that's his problem. Well, it's, it's our problem. And if we're married, it's our problem. I, and you want each other to succeed. You want each other to be pure and keep your vows. So pray for each other in this regard. And, and that will help you as you, as you, uh, live in this world like this. And and again, to, to remind ourselves, there's certain places I just don't belong. Yeah. Certain shows on TV, it's not going to put good thoughts in my mind. Certain books should be off limits. They're just not going to be helpful for me. The world will talk about them. Everybody working will say, man, did you see this? I can't believe you didn't watch this. No, I didn't watch it. And, and to have no problem with that because you know where you want to be, and that's so important to do those things. You know, you mentioned four examples from the Old Testament, Solomon, Samson, David, and Joseph. And boy, can we learn a lot about this from Joseph, because he's the one of those four that is a, a kind of victory story, right? And a lot of it revolves around Joseph had made up his mind before the temptation came. I'm going to call great wickedness what it is. I'm not going to flirt with it. I'm going to live with the awareness God is here in Egypt just as surely as he was in uh, the, the land of Canaan. If I do this great wickedness, I am sinning against God. That's the sort of thing that we just need to remind ourselves of consistently. That sort of perspective. Absolutely. Now, back to your sermon, you know, Samson, you know, I will be like any other man if he, if he tells his secret of his strength. Uh, there's a lot of people today who just feel like they're different. Yeah. I, I'm not like you. I'm, I'm special. I'm unique. I'm one of a kind. And where does that come from? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm afraid that that is nearly as old as the Garden of Eden. One of the benefits of reading 
the scriptures. I mean, Judges is not the easiest book to read. It is not the the most pleasant book to read, but we ought to spend time in sections of the Bible like this, because like we talked about last Wednesday, God doesn't just say, do this, don't do this. He's got plenty of commandments and warnings and instructions and things like that, but he's also preserved flesh and blood, male, female, rich, poor, slave-free examples of, listen, (laughs) you are not unique. Every generation thinks that somehow we're smarter, we're better, we're more advanced. It's it's what C.S. Lewis described as chronological snobbery, that, you know, all of those people way back then, they were just dimwits, but somehow, some way, I'm better off. And as you read the account of generation after generation after generation, it has a way, if we're listening, of reminding us, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same old temptations packaged in a couple of different ways. And whomever I am, I am not immune. And so, you know, our education status, it can make us think, well, I'm better than others. Uh, my experiences, my background, we put all that together, and I'm not like you. I'm different. I don't have to do this. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, That's you pride, do. as and, you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. And so so as we kind of wrap this up, in what ways was Samson just like everyone else? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, he was mortal, right? It it was easy for him to feel like victory after victory, showdown after showdown, nobody can take me down. Well, the Old and the New Testaments both warn us, when you're thinking like that, you'd better take heed lest you fall. If Samson can fall, anybody can fall. He he was just a human being. Now, he was blessed with by God with extraordinary strength for an extraordinary time. But in, in many ways, it is a tragic tale, isn't it, of, of wasted potential. Who knows what could have happened in Israel? What, what cycles could have been broken if this man lived into his 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, how, however long it was and was a symbol not just of physical strength, but of, uh, of spiritual strength. He, he was just like all of us in that he was mortal. He was subject to temptation, and I I would throw out that there were consequences to his actions. I'm afraid a lot of times the way this manifests itself in our lives today is, well, I did that, but I shouldn't have to deal with the consequences. Yes, I made that choice, but I don't want to deal with the ripple effects, and that is the same exact problem. And Samson needed God just like we do. Yeah. And he needed God like every king in Israel needed God. Sometimes they didn't think they did. Sometimes they thought they were God, but they weren't. And he still needed them. Now, before we leave this, there's one thing we've got to talk about because this is always one of those, uh, I don't know what to call it, but one of those dilemmas in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, We talk about Samson. We see his flaws. We see his mistakes. But we come to Hebrews 11. There he is. Yeah. He's in Hebrews 11 with all the Hall of Fame. and. 
And if you and I and most of us were writing our own Hebrews 11, we were having the Hollywood Walk of Fame of the Bible or Cooperstown of the Bible, uh, a lot of us would say, no, Samson doesn't make the cut. Uh, he, he messed up, and we wouldn't have him. But God has him there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's at the very end of this long list, obviously, and the writer, unfortunately, it comes in this section where he says, what more should I say for time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and he goes on from there and describes these people as who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. This is the one that stands out to me. We're made strong out of weakness. And I don't know exactly why Samson is right here. Like you said, I, I probably wouldn't. In fact, I know I wouldn't have included him in this list if I were the one writing it. But could it be that one day we will cross paths with him in eternity? Well, Hebrews 11 certainly gets us thinking about that, right? And at the end of his life, he has been so tremendously humbled. He knows what it is to be weak in a way unlike he had ever experienced before. And it is then finally, that we see him calling out to God in ways that he should have all along. And so there is faith attached to Samson, even in the New Testament, in ways maybe that are a little surprising to us. Well, you know, and I think a common theme through all those people in Hebrews 11, we got Noah, we got Abraham, We've got Moses, we got David, we just got these stellar people that we look at in the Bible. All of them had flaws. They all every, needed a savior. Every single one of them, their sins in their lives. Yeah. But they all had that common theme of walking by faith. Samson is included because he did that too. And he saved as we are all saved by the grace of God. When God told him something to do, he did it, and that's why he's there. That gives us hope. Because sometimes we look at our lives and think, you know, I'm a Samson. I started off right and I messed up and there's no hope for me. There is hope for me. There's hope for me if I continue to walk by faith, hold to God's grace, and do what God wants me to do. Well, and that's what I love about this phrase. There is hope for me just like there is hope for any other man, right? There can be hope for you just like there is hope for any other woman, any other per person, because of Jesus Christ. That's what makes this so powerful. Absolutely. Well, this is Wednesday, and we have our classes tonight. I'll be, uh, our class tonight will be about questions you have asked. We're going to continue that series, looking at more questions that the congregation has submitted, just kind of going through a, a series of questions. Very insightful as we're doing that, and you're teaching... Uh, in room B2 for our adults, our building blocks track of studies, we are exploring this month, what's a human being? We have talked a little bit about what it means to uh, have been created in the image of God. This evening, we're going to talk about the blessing of a body. You probably don't need me to tell you that a lot of people, especially a lot of young people, are 
unhappy with their bodies. And maybe we need a little bit of a reminder and a perspective shift that culture may tell you one thing about your body and beauty and meaning and purpose, but what matters most is what God has to say about you. And he calls your body a blessing to be used in his service. And I'll be preaching this coming Sunday, Lord willing, and I'm going to be talking about the subject of integrity. We're going to be talking about matching our walk and our talk. And that's an essential part of our walk with Jesus Christ. Excellent. That is this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Lots of resources to use to grow. Roger, I appreciate you joining me today to help us provide this additional resource. We appreciate all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We'd love to see you this evening, 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us.